Welcome to the Thomistic Institute podcast. Our mission is to promote the Catholic intellectual tradition in the university, the church, and the wider public square. The lectures on this podcast are organized by university students at Thomistic Institute chapters around the world. To learn more and to attend these events, visit us at ThomisticInstitute.org. Our final speaker for the session is uh, Bishop Daniel Mugenborg, who originally was from Oklahoma and became Auxiliary Bishop of Seattle, and most recently in 2022, the Bishop of Reno, Nevada. I was told that uh, Bishop Mugenborg met and served Mass with uh, Blessed Stanley Rother, who recently has been beatified, a martyr, American martyr of the Church. And I mention that because uh, Bishop Mugenberg will uh, speak on Blessed Stanley as a model uh, for priesthood. So welcome, Bishop. Thank you. It's always an honor for me to speak about the importance of Blessed Stanley Rother for the contemporary church and especially for priests. Anytime I reflect on the life of a holy person, I remember an experience I had when I was a recently ordained priest in my very first parish assignment. And we were nearing the solemnity of all saints. And the first grade teacher in our parochial school asked if I would teach her class since she was non-Catholic and didn't feel competent to teach about the saints. So I agreed. Now, 10 years of university education had not prepared me to deal with a classroom of first graders. So I decided to see what the children already knew. So I asked, okay, class, can anyone tell me who the saints are? And one very energetic kid named Charlie was jumping out of his seat, raising his hand, and really ready to answer that question. And since he was the only one in a room full of otherwise blank stares, I decided to call on him. Okay, Charlie, who are the saints? And his honest response was this. He said, the saints are the people in the window the light shines through. What a perfect response. The saints are the people in the window the light shines through. I have never forgotten that response. How perfect, how descriptive of why Blessed Stanley Rother is so important for the church and for priests today. We need the light of heroic and holy priesthood to inspire us. After all, the honor of being beatified is not for his glory, but for our encouragement and edification. It is the church's way of saying, pay attention to this. This is what it means to be a priest of Jesus Christ who lives the promises of his ordination. And so with this last reflection, we now move from the theologically ideal to the practical. Priestly spirituality is not abstract and complicated. It is simply the living out of our holy orders by being conformed evermore to Jesus Christ. In this sense, priestly spirituality is fundamentally Eucharistic, since the ordination rite itself asks the elect, do you resolve to be united more closely every day to Christ the high priest 
who offered himself for us to the Father as a pure sacrifice, and with him to consecrate yourselves to God for the salvation of all? Now, very few of us know what it will mean to fulfill that commitment, yet we make it anyway. Blessed Stanley Rother gives us a contemporary example of what it looks like to become a pure sacrifice for the salvation of all. The church today, especially priests and seminarians, need such priestly heroes. And it is precisely the proximity of blessed Stanley Rother that makes him an ideal and relevant icon of priesthood for us. First, he is temporally relevant in that his life and ministry is not in the distant past, but relatively current. Priests who knew him and worked with him are still sharing their stories, their firsthand experiences. People to whom he ministered are still honoring his memory. His impact is still felt in the many works he accomplished. If he had not been martyred in 1981, he would most likely still be living and functioning as a priest today. Second, he is culturally relevant in that he was a product of the contemporary American experience. He understood the forces of media, secularization, politicization, global communications, colonization, terrorism, and even fake news. He lived through the sexual revolution of the 60s and witnessed the systematic devaluation of human life in the 70s. He experienced financial struggles that would make the 2008 subprime market meltdown seem insignificant. And he not only persevered through those challenges, he actually excelled in the midst of them. Third, he is proximate in a geographical sense. His vocational pursuits took him from rural central Oklahoma to San Antonio, Texas, and then to Conception, Missouri, and finally to Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. His heart remains in Guatemala, while his body is interred in Oklahoma City. His multiple residences offer multiple pilgrimage destinations. What seminarian would not be moved to spend time praying in the Lord's Shrine that Blessed Stanley Rother helped build with his own hands? What priest would not be moved to pray at his tomb, knowing his story? What candidate for holy orders could not identify with his periodic struggles of formation in seminary? These are real places where he lived, worked, studied, discerned, pursued his priestly vocation, and carried out his ministry. Proximity matters. I love St. John Vianney. I use his quotes often. But he was born over 250 years ago in another part of the world to which young men today may not easily relate. Even blessed Michael McGivney, the only other American-born parish priest to be beatified, 
was born over 170 years ago and died in 1890. He was a truly great man. But so much has changed in the past 130 years that his lived example becomes less proximate to today's world. When it comes to finding a heroic example of contemporary American priesthood, Blessed Stanley Rother is a singular option. As I said before, we need heroes of priesthood, especially today, when so many events have darkened and tarnished the ordained image. Certainly, the sexual abuse scandals, which became prominent 20 years ago, have taken their toll and continue to do so. The recent COVID-19 pandemic tarnished the morale and reputation of priests as they were systematically labeled non-essential persons for the good of society and excluded from ministry in hospitals, prisons, and care facilities. The film industry often portrays priesthood as a predominantly antiquated, quirky, spiritually bankrupt, and dysfunctional life. Blessed Stanley Rother is a shining light who contradicts these false narratives and shows the influence and lasting effect of a simple, faithful priest and the impact that he can have in hundreds of thousands of people's lives. Young men today aspire to greatness, which is why superhero films are so appealing but we have real superheroes to offer instead of imaginary ones. Priests who are wholly committed to Jesus Christ and unwavering in their love of God and neighbor. And blessed Stanley Rother stands out as such a real superhero. Permit me to present a very brief bio biographical sketch for those who may not be familiar with his life and ministry. Blessed Stanley Rother was born to a German Catholic family in Okarchi, Oklahoma in 1935. He grew up in Catholic uh, schools and had a very average childhood. Seminary was difficult for him because he lacked the foundation in Latin that was necessary at that time. And as a result, he ended up being expelled from seminary after first theology but eventually did graduate from Mount St. Mary's and was ordained a priest in 1963. He always had a preference for working with his hands, a trait that he most likely developed on the family farm. And after serving in various parishes in Oklahoma, he joined a team of Oklahoma missionaries serving in Guatemala and arrived in Santiago Atitlan in 1968. The poverty was overwhelming. Infant mortality was 40%. His farming skills became useful as he taught the indigenous people how to cultivate, fertilize, rotate, and increase their crops. He built a hospital to provide basic health care, the only health care in the entire community. He founded a radio station for catechesis and fostering community life. He established co-ops for women to sell their goods. He set up a credit union so people could avoid the 10% interest per month that was being charged by usury lenders. 
He mastered the native, unwritten Zutu Hill language so he could both celebrate mass and preach to the indigenous peoples. He was the first missionary priest to ever accomplish that. He provided education for the young and scholarships for promising students. But beyond what he did for them, he loved them. He shared meal, meals in their simple shacks, worked with them in the fields, and cared for the widows and orphans. By the mid-1970s, he was the only priest for a Catholic parish of 25,000 people. One of his lasting efforts was to encourage and support the translation of the New Testament into Zutu Hill. Today, the people of Santiago Atitlan can worship, pray, and read the Bible in their native language, thanks to his ministry. As the Guatemalan Civil War heated up in the late 1970s, life became more difficult for Rother and his people. Death squads began their insidious campaign of terror, and in the fall of 1980, the Guatemalan military began to occupy church property in Santiago. Rother witnessed his own parishioners being kidnapped and searched the country roads for discarded bodies. It was his caring for the widows and orphans of those who had disappeared that eventually led to his name being added to the death list. When that occurred, he returned to the United States for several weeks of reflection and discernment. Would he live out the rest of his life comfortably as a parish priest in the United States? Or would he return to face unknown dangers and to be with his people suffering in Guatemala? In his last Christmas letter of 1980, he wrote, The shepherd cannot run at the first sign of danger. Pray for us that we may be a sign of the love of Christ for his people, that our presence among them will fortify them to endure these sufferings in preparation for the coming of the kingdom. In March of 1981, he returned to Santiago Atitlan. Four months later, two gunmen entered his rectory in the early hours of July 28th, and attempted to kidnap him. Unable to remove him from the rectory, they shot him twice and killed him. The actual events of his martyrdom are extensive and heroic, and I encourage you to read more on your own and even to make your own personal pilgrimage to Santiago Atitlan. Pray in the room where he was martyred, and you can still put your fingers into the bullet holes on the floor. You can still see his blood staining the wall. You can pray at the shrine where his heart is venerated. Blessed Stanley Rother was an image, I would say an icon, of Christ the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. In the image of John chapter 10, he protected Christ's flock from the wolves who came to destroy and kill. He cared for the flock, feeding them 
binding their wounds, seeking out the lost. His ministry was defined not by his own interests, but by the needs of the people. He showed them that they were loved and cared for by God and the church. When he could give them nothing material, he gave them his time and attention. As the good shepherd, he led the people of Santiago to the Father as he strengthened, informed, and resourced their faith. The people trusted him and followed him because they knew he loved them. Nothing could demonstrate the depth of his love more than laying down his life for them. Blessed Stanley Rother was not an extraordinarily talented person. He was a very ordinary man who simply lived his priestly promises in a sacrificial and faithful way. His example is inspiring precisely because of his ordinariness. If he can do it, then I can do it. He was a man of courage who would rather die with his people than save himself and abandon them. He was a man of hard work, whose schedule revolved around the needs of his people rather than his personal hobbies and leisurely pursuits. These are all inspirations and lessons we need for today's priests so that they too can have the heart of Christ the Good Shepherd. It's important to remember that people are called martyrs, not just for how they died, but for how they lived. Tertullian was right. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In the 450 years before Rother arrived in Santiago, there was not a single priestly vocation from the parish of Santiago. 450 years, not a single vocation. In just the first 30 years after his martyrdom in 1981, there have been 13 men ordained priests with several others in seminary formation. Good shepherds inspire others to become good shepherds. And as he mentioned, I add myself to the list of people inspired by blessed Stanley Rother. Although I had considered priesthood during my youthful years, I became very annoyed by such a vocation and went to college with the goal of convincing God he did not want me to be a priest. In March of 1981, I was asked to serve Mass for my aunt and uncle who were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. As I was in the sacristy, a priest walked in whom I had never met and didn't know. But he had a spiritual presence about him which I had never experienced before. He was a quiet man, yet I could sense the peace, the joy, and the love which filled him. Throughout that Mass, I kept wondering why he had the qualities that I so desperately wanted. And it was in serving that Mass that I decided to be open to becoming a priest. When the Mass was over, I asked my parents, who was that priest? And they said, that is Father Rother. He is the missionary in Guatemala. And four months later, he was martyred. And that's when I began to learn about his life and ministry. If I were going to be a priest, then I wanted to be a priest like him. 
someone who was all in for Jesus and his church. I pray for his intercession every day and have now entrusted the ministry at the University of Nevada, Reno campus to his patronage. If he could touch my heart as a college freshman running from God, then I'm confident he will continue to touch the hearts of students in 2023. At a previous symposium on priesthood in 2022, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, stated the following. Today, people are asking us to be shepherds of the people and not professionals of the sacred. Shepherds filled with compassion and concern, men of courage, ready to draw near to those in pain and lend a helping hand. Contemplative men, whose closeness to people enables them to proclaim before the wounds of our world the power of the resurrection, even now at work. As I said at the beginning of the, with this reflection, we move from the theology of the priesthood to the practical priesthood in blessed Stanley Rother. In him, we see the reality of a priestly life conformed to Christ. We see an ordinary man who does extraordinary ministry precisely because it wasn't his work. It was God's work accomplished through his cooperation. As secular culture was ever more embracing relativism and hedonism, blessed Stanley Rother was ever more embracing the cross of Jesus Christ. He reminds us of who we can be if we are willing to give our lives sacrificially each day to Jesus and in ministry to others. He was a man motivated by love, not ideology or social causes. He manifested a priestly and fatherly love for his parishioners. And that description is not an ideal. It is the real life and ministry of a very ordinary martyr. I hope that every priest and every seminarian desires to make a lasting impact on the lives of others. It should be what motivates us to get out of bed in the morning and to work long days, always doing so as an expression of our love of God. Now, beyond the facilities we build, the staff we manage, the budgets we balance, our greatest joy as priests is to be a pontifex, one who builds a bridge between God and his people. Because it is that divine encounter which changes the human person and generates spiritual fruit. The ministry of Blessed Stanley Rother brought Jesus to the people and the people to Jesus. The sheer number of vocations to the priesthood from Santiago Atitlan is proof of his lasting spiritual impact on his community. So too is this impact manifested in the constant stream of people praying at the shrine which houses his heart and the room in which he was martyred. Few experiences rightly inspire seminarians more than seeing such a lasting witness of spiritual impact. His witness 
his martyrdom, his priesthood is powerful, proximate, profitable, and providential for our time. Blessed Stanley Rother is a person through whom the light of Christ has shone. He is a contemporary icon of Christ the Good Shepherd, who can and should inspire priests and seminarians today. Through his intercession, may vocations to the priesthood increase. May priestly zeal be fostered. And may the gospel be advanced in every part of the Americas. Blessed Stanley Rother, icon of Christ, the Good Shepherd, pray for us. Yeah, time for two questions. Yes. Mr. Mugaboga, I think we know um, Blessed Stanley um, uh, pretty well uh, at Mount St. Mary's, and I thank you very much for encouraging us to uh, visit Santiago de Tetlan. But if you'd like a more proximate pilgrimage, <laughs> feel free to come to Emmitsburg, um, where we have uh, Archdiocesan Shrine of Blessed Stanley Rother. My, my question deals with um, a priest being a man of discernment. This is something that was uh, mentioned in the PPF that our Holy Father has often, often spoken about, that a, a priest needs to be a man of discernment. In what way do you think Blessed Stanley Rother can be a model for discernment? That's a really good question. So I, I really believe that his time, his 10 weeks that he returned to the United States in early uh, months of 1981, are an excellent example of what authentic and faithful discernment looks like. I say that because he returned out of obedience to his bishop, first and foremost, who instructed him, if you are ever in danger, you are to come home. And so he fulfilled that obedience to his bishop, and when he was home, expressed his desire to return. And uh, being accompanied by prayer, um, by the counsel of good friends, and in conversation with, the, with two bishops of Oklahoma at that time, um, they both gave him permission to do that. And only with their permission um, and following that process of prayerful discernment did he then return um, to Guatemala. So throughout this, this was not about his cause. It wasn't about being stubborn. You know, it wasn't about um, any of those things or you know, entering into the fight and defending his territory. No, it was about doing the will of God and about living out the image of Christ, the Good Shepherd. Um, and so uh, that was something that was a shared discernment process, and ultimately um, you know, had, to, had to be given first and foremost by the bishops um, so that he could return, and then he followed it. I wondered if you would like to connect your talk to Father Griffin's talk, and um, just say how, maybe how Blessed Stanley was living out celibacy by being, quote-unquote, wed to his people in Guatemala in such a way that he couldn't leave them, maybe. But let's just, let's sure. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So um, th there were a total of six priests who uh, served in the mission during those early years. Um, basically, uh, the majority of those six ended up leaving and getting married for various reasons. Um, one returned back to uh, serve uh, in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. 
and Father Rother remained. Um, I don't recall the, the, what, what happened with the other one. But he remained firm in his commitment. Um, he made a decision to give his life to Christ and to the service of the church. You know, he made that commitment, obviously, uh, in his ordination when he lay prostrate on the floor and died to himself um, in that moment. And he simply chose to continue living that out. Um, he was not a man of complicated, uh, you know, um, spiritualities or anything. He was a very simple guy who just prayed every day, celebrated Mass every day, um, and carried out works of charity. He lived a Eucharistic life. Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks, please consider showing your support at www.tomisticinstitute.org donate. Your donation of even a dollar helps us reach more college students and many others with the powerful truths of the faith, and it ensures that we can keep publishing top-notch lectures on this podcast. Thanks a lot.